Welcome the founder and host of BuddyCast, Nick Sorensen. Happy Friday, buddies. <laughs> it's time for another episode of everybody's favorite show, BuddyCast. I'm your host, Nick Sorensen, and joining me today is a very new buddy, my buddy Greg. How you doing, Greg? Good. Hey, buddy. Uh, hey, Nick. Uh, thank you for having uh, I only go where I'm invited. So thanks for the invitation. Hey, thanks for joining us. We always love it when a new buddy comes on the show, you know, because you're not a guest on this show. You're a buddy. So. Thanks, buddy. Yes. So, buddy, I got to start by asking, you're a voiceover actor. What led you into voiceover acting to begin with? Take us to the beginning of your career. Uh, my history goes back to theater, 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 and a uh, number of wonderful uh, series of fortunate events uh, led me to explore. I've always, I've always believed in voice-driven characters, and uh, I've always been sort of intrigued by the way people sound compared to the way they look. I always try to guess how someone's going to, since, since I was little, little. Mm -hmm. uh, try to guess how someone's going to sound uh, before I engage them in conversation and find out if I was right. Strangers. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, I used to ride on the bus with my mom, and uh, that was that was my thing that I would do while we were while we were riding. Um, but uh, I I was an English major in college at the outset. I had a uh, roommate who dragged me to an audition because he said, "You're always doing dialects, and you're always doing voices, and you're always doing this and that." There was an English uh, dark comedy farce, uh, and they were having trouble casting, and they were going outside the department. So there I was, uh, sophomore year of college, and uh, dragged to my first uh, audition, and I got the part. And opening night, uh, the head of the theater department said, what are you doing in the English department? I said, I don't know. Uh, I probably will be an English teacher. He said, well, don't stop doing what you're doing. But he said, you're exactly the kind of talent that we're looking for. We'd love to help you cultivate that. Uh, and please consider the theater department as well, which I did. I wound up with a double major um, mm. and set off on my way. First repertory theater, then regional theater tours. Uh, and found before I toured, uh, there's the Los Angeles origin story and the origin origin story. But uh, in St. Louis, I thought, uh, which is where I'm from, um, and I was at a theater conservatory in St. Louis, I thought, you know, people supplement their, their income or, or have an income from doing commercials, characters, cartoons, whatever. Uh, I thought, I, I, uh, I'm going to make a voice tape uh, demo. So I got a Wallensack tape recorder at a yard sale. I pulled copy out of newspapers and magazines. On my first demo, you can hear the needle drop onto the phonograph, and I'm reading a copy that looked uh, attractive to me. I took it around to uh, advertising agencies, which are prevalent in St. Louis. Uh, it's the hub for a lot of uh, large agencies. Well, um, I got a call 
from a guy who I said thank you to uh, for the rest of his life. Uh, and he said, uh, he said, uh, when I heard your demo, I, I thought, I got to meet this guy. His name was Al Lages, and uh, I went in for this meeting thinking, this is how it happens. He said, I called you in because that's the worst voice demo I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> he said, but you have a very interesting voice and a very wide range of, of character. So he said, let's get you credible, not incredible. And he's, uh, he had me in at, he said, come into sessions that I'm pr producing, directing. He said, and watch how people do it. He said, and if there's any time left at the end of a session that's already paid for, he said, I'll throw you in the booth and we'll find some copy and give you something that is competitive. Well, uh, I mean, I say series of fortunate events. That was the first of more than I can count. But, buddy, I believe that opportunity makes itself possible for, I want to say, everyone. Mm -hmm. But those of us who uh, mistake it for just another moment uh, kind of doom it to become just another moment. Opportunity mm -hmm. is opportunity if you seize it. And exactly. When presented with opportunities, um, that's been my choice, and it's been mm -hmm. to my to my benefit. And it's it's how I started to grow, and it's how I continue to grow. Exactly. It's all about opportunities. Taking the opportunity once it's handed to you, taking what life throws at you, and turning it into something. Like going from an English major to doubling in theater. You know. There are people who believe that you find your direction. I choose to believe that your direction, if your direction chooses to find you, it's a wise person who listens to that as it as it evolves. You know, it's yes. it's it's not unlike an interactive game and the choices that you make determine the choices that then become available to you. Mm -hmm. So speaking of some of the opportunities that I found you in life, let's talk a little bit about your career. You know, one of the shows that I recognize you from is Ah Real Monsters. It is Crumb, Oblina. You're late for class. Sit down, open your monster books. Mm -hmm. How did you come about this role? Uh, I had been doing a show uh, called Duckman, also for Klasky Chupo. They were the, the sort of bohemian animation studio, and I was uh, fortunate enough to read for the show Duckman, which was Jason Alexander, me, Dweezil Zappa, Nancy Travis, uh, Pat Music. Uh, it was just, and uh, Tim Curry. Don't forget mm -hmm. Tim Curry. And uh, it was it was so far ahead of its time and so far pushed the envelope so far that it, it I feel like the audience uh, caught up to it over time. It, uh, it's a show I remain very proud of. But Klasky Chupo was almost like a family in those early growing days, and everybody mm -hmm. was considered for everything. So they also had me in for uh, Real Monsters and uh, gave me this beautifully drawn character and breakdown to work with. Believe it or not, if you're not familiar with the process, the voice actor is the last in and the first out and gets a disproportionate amount of the glory. Um, but writers slave over breakdowns for animated characters just as they do for on-camera characters. And I work in, in on-camera as well, so I, I'm one who can make that comparison. Um, so my feeling is uh, it's detective work, and you take what the writer has slaved over, what the animator has 
you know, slaved over for, for days, nights, who knows how long. In interactive gaming, it's even more so because the guy in the corner who uh, looks like he hasn't slept in five years is the game developer with, with a list yeah. of, of prompts that are essentially infinite. Um, there's some hard work that goes into animated product or on-camera product before an actor ever sees it. Um, and I'm very respectful of that process, and I believe it's it's a collaboration. That's why I say detective work. You take all of these clues which have been painstakingly given to you and uh, add that third element of bre breathing life into character. Beautiful. Now, just a quick follow-up question. What's your opinion or what are your thoughts on your character Grumble? Like, what are your... Where? Do these pumps make me look fat? No, really, do that. Don't, don't tell me. No, do. Don't get in your seats. I, I, uh, I have a, a special love for the characters that allow me to chew the scenery. I have a special love for. They say the buffoon is the one, the only one in the room who doesn't realize that he's behaving buffoonishly. Mm -hmm. uh, it was kind of a sweet big-hearted, wonderful, madcap comedy. The cast was like family. The sessions, like all voice sessions, are, are just playing in a sandbox with the people that, that you want to play with. Uh, uh, in those days, they recorded everything ensemble style. That's a luxury that doesn't so much exist anymore. But in that ensemble style where everybody in a scene or everybody in an episode was there together, um, I believe the the if it's if it's silly like our real monsters the silliness becomes contagious and everything gets funnier and sillier. Um, if it's Transformers, GI Joe, if it's epic galactic battles, everything gets more intense. If it's I, I I was lucky enough to make the jump from Clone Wars into Star Wars Rebels as Kalani, the first super tactical droid general. Mm -hmm. um, that you can hear a pin drop in those sessions because the the level of focus and intensity is so high um but it, it's like each each series each episode of any given series is is sort of its own game of jump rope and it's part of your job before arriving to figure out the speed of the jump rope and how you're gonna jump in without tripping up mm-hmm if you don't learn, you're going to hit your shins, and that's going to be painful. It's going to hide. Yep. And you mentioned <laughs> earlier Transformers. Let's talk about that role a little bit. How'd that come to be, and how? what were your thoughts on that? Well, while I was uh, evolving uh, my my search for agent, my my uh, demos, my, my professionality in the voice world in Los Angeles, I had come into uh, the end of a theatrical tour of a Neil Simon play that ended in San Diego. I spent days off kind of courting agencies in, in L.A. and hoping that it worked to go there. I thought at the end of that tour, I would either make my choice to go to New York or make my choice to come to Los Angeles. Well, um, I, I was cast in another uh, play in Los Angeles, which was the L.A. company of a play that started in New York called Cloud Nine by Carol Churchill. Uh, I went I was offered an understudy role in that play. 
uh, and I thought, no one will ever see me. I'll never go on. It is really worth my time. I love being on stage. I love the theater. I'm doing it. Well, uh, the night came when uh, the one of the two people I was covering was unable to go on, and I had a half an hour to get ready. I went into adrenaline overload uh, just at the excitement of it. It went exceedingly well, uh, and I had been seen in that role by two prominent people. Uh, one was Wally Burr, who was the director of Transformers. One was Gordon Hunt, who was doing all of the uh, voice direction at Hanna-Barbera in those days. Mm. That understudy role, I, I spoke to opportunities. Uh, that, that understudy role that I thought would go unnoticed changed every day of the rest of my life. Uh, Wally, who I had already had a relationship with uh, professionally doing a show called The Littles, which he had me uh, in for through my first agent, said, uh, I had no idea how much more you did than what I thought you did. I'm embarking on a gigantic project uh, of Transformers and G.I. Joe. I'm keeping you in mind for everything. Uh, Gordon Hunt said, if you're as versatile as what we just saw on stage, we should know about you at Hanna-Barbera. And me, who can be polite at my, to my own de detriment, at my own expense, I, I thought in that moment, time froze. And I thought, if I say thank you, he'll forget this encounter by the time he gets to his car. Instead, I said, well, you've had my voice demo for a few months. If you can move me from the bottom of the pile to the top of the pile, of course, I'd love to be doing what you're doing. He said, oh, man, you got a lot of nerve, don't you? And I said, normally, no, but if this is an opportunity, I'm not letting it go by unnoticed. Uh, he loved it. He had me in the following week, uh, introduced me as what he imagined and it turned out to be as one of the new kids uh and uh he told the story and he said he totally busted me and i totally loved it and i want you to welcome him mm -hmm. within within two weeks of of that guest starring role he had me back for what was at that time the new jetsons as curly quasar and i had a blind date with judy jetson the episode still airs. He called me into the uh, into his side of the booth. There's safety glass that separates the actors from the producers and directors and writers. And he said, I'm seating you next to Mel Blank. He said, I'm doing this intentionally. I want you to know that you are where you belong. And wow. I could have died happy that day. Uh, in the presence of my childhood hero, my hero, my lifetime hero, voice-wise, uh, I didn't die, uh, and that's great too, because there was <laughs> many, many more pleasures to come after that. But uh, that happened in my real life, and um, you know, I'll never, ever, ever forget it or take it for granted. Mm -hmm. All because of that one opportunity that could have easily been passed up, that someone else passed up on, someone else. Whether, you know, for whatever reason, whether it be medical or whether it be just because of like, hey, I just don't want to go on. It was mechanical. It was mechanical. It was a car breakdown. Oh. I had nothing breakdown. to do with it. Nothing to do with it at all as you're throwing the spark plugs in behind the, behind the wall. You know? I had nothing to do with it. Oh. But it leads to such an opportunity. Like you said, you never know when those opportunities 
are going to come present themselves, even in something that you think is just this minor thing. Like I'm just doing this play. Like you said, no one's even going to care or notice. There are two big time producers in the audience who have their eyes just on you are just focused on you and think there's our guy right there. It, it turned you out, know? it turned yep. out just, just that way. Um, mm -hmm. And that's why you need to do your homework when there's time to do your homework. Yes. When, when it's time to be ready, you better be ready. Uh, that's and that's a luxury. We all, you know, the hardest part of painting a room is the prep. The mm -hmm. hardest part of anything is the preparation, the preparation, the preparation. And uh, in the case of of voiceover and voice acting, the the two keystones, cornerstones, are are acting chops, acting skills, and improvisational skills, so that you can stay in the moment, so that you can stay adaptable and not stay so rehearsed that you're not spontaneous as well. Mm -hmm. One other voice I want to talk to, I want to ask you about is the voice of Odie. How much fun do you... How much fun do you have doing that voice and how did you find that role? Well, that's a sample of how much fun it is. Yes. Uh, you know what? Uh, your show is all about buddies. Uh, Garfield and Odie, it's a buddy comedy. Yes. One of the, one of the buddies uh, doesn't have the luxury of English, so he emotes and barks and slurps and gnaws and chews and, and uh, gets kicked off tables. But it's a buddy comedy, and they're they're mm -hmm. kind of lost without each other uh not not to make it too philosophically deep but it's a buddy comedy it is uh duckman and cornfed is it is a buddy comedy uh the two mm -hmm. of them complement and play off each other like hope and crosby or abbott and costello i was just about uh, to say abbott and costello exactly right and and that is a joy to mm -hmm. be at to be asked to be a part of the the other thing that's a joy is when you find out that that pilot is becoming a series, that there's going to be an arc to your characters, that there's going to be a storyline that you can weave through week to week, that that you're going to be in, you know, mischievous adventures together. Whatever it is, it's joyous. It's 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 a big deal to be part of a, a franchise that is identifiable in the first place, and then to have a standout character like me, Grimlock from Transformers. Uh, that registers and is embraced by an audience or spirit from G.I. Joe who believes that possibility and impossibility are states of mind. Uh, any of that. And then to be thrown into a different adventure um, week by week by week is, is it, it's fantastic. The hard part is getting a job in yes. animation. The, the doing of the job feels like getting paid to play. I'm not discounting the skill set involved, and I'm not discounting that, you know, it's, it's, you have to exceed expectation at every turn. Mm -hmm. A quick follow up that I have, and I ask this to a lot of voiceover actors when you get a role, like you get a role like Odie, who's fun, loving, energetic, like you said, has to animate himself because he can't speak. But then you get someone like Grumble, who's like self conscious yet yells at the class to just be quiet or something like that. How do you develop their voices? Like, what are the elements that you focus on when you get the roles? 
listen to the writer and listen to the animator and, and the artist and realize that you're part of that collaboration and part of that equation. Grimlock on the side of, of, of the uh, drawing, when I first read it, it said, big muscle, small brain. Mm -hmm. Well, that's already a big head start. Ready, fire, aim. <laughs> yeah. uh, and uh, when I read for Cornfed, who kind of is uh, dragnetty, uh, straight to the point, no nonsense, no mess around pig, who has to keep uh, who has to keep the duck out of trouble. Uh, on the side, it said just the facts, ma'am. So already I was on my way and they had him with a stingy brimmed hat and a skinny tie. And I thought, oh, I, I see where we're going here. And, um, you know, I'm one of the Eeyores for Disney. So mm. those are mighty big hooves to fill. But if you realize that he never gets too happy, never gets too sad, but hopes that you have a nice day. Because somebody ought to. Well, you're on your way, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, at some point, you just take all of that information that you've been given. If the character has big teeth, it's going to have something to do with how he forms his words. Uh, and on and on and on. Um, but that's the fun part. Uh, and then you still have to stir it around and come out with something that feels spontaneous. And Every time uh, that you audition for a role in a pilot or a new venture, they will want to fine tune it in the studio while you're there. See if you're directable. See if you're adaptable. Uh, because you have to be in order to continue working. Those are things. So, so you can't be so locked down that you can't be free to just play with it as you're asked ask to play. Mm -hmm. Great advice and great pointers. You have to be listening. Now, one other question I want to, or I got a few more questions for you if you don't mind. But no one worries. of them, no, one of them being Comic Cons. Do you attend uh, Comic Cons, meet fans, and all that? Do you have any upcoming or anything like that at the moment? If I if I knew then what I know now about the uh, the convention generation and generations. Because frankly, for the for the older work, uh, I I have Transformers and GI Joe fans who bring their children, and in rare cases, their grandchildren who they've introduced the shows to. One of the things about animated programming, as a rule, is it has an unlimited shelf life. And the Garfield show, there were there have even been articles written about it saying they grow a new target audience every two to four years. There's there's you know, kids who are growing into that age range, not that there aren't adults in that age range, uh, but who are discovering it for the first time and they make it theirs all over again. Same with Transformers, G.I. Joe. Uh, um, it's, it's, it's a really wondrous thing. So uh, my feeling about conventions in general, if I, is, if I wasn't lucky enough to be an, an invited special guest all over the world at this point, Australia, New Zealand, uh, the United Kingdom, all over the United States. I would probably be an attendee because uh, I'm interested in what they're interested in. I also realize that uh, because people come to say thank you, it also allows me to go and say thank you. Uh, it's, it's a very two-way street. I love doing it. I love the energy of it. And I really love anyone who's passionate about anything positive, 
um, because uh, the generation I worry about is the one that clings to the word whatever, uh, whatever doesn't really get anybody anywhere. No. But uh, but if you've got uh, a display case with all of your, if you've got one set of transformers that are unwrapped and played with till they're broken and another set that, that are part of many museums uh, at people's homes that I've been uh, shown photos of because it's a point of pride for the people who do it. You know, I think that's awesome. I think it's really, truly wonderful. Mm-hmm. I, I do the next uh, known. Uh, I, I was going to be at WonderCon, which is in April. I'm definitely going to be at JoeCon, which is uh, mm-hmm. a G.I. Joe centric convention in Augusta, Georgia. I think it's, mm-hmm. it's either June or July. I uh, just finished Pensacon in Pensacola, Florida. Um, uh, traditionally, every year I've been part of the cartoon voice panel at, at uh, San Diego Comic-Con, which is kind of the the mother of them all. Mm-hmm. Um, but whether they're huge, like San Diego, Pensacon was huge, um, or small, uh, like TFCon, which I just did last weekend, and all mm-hmm. Transformers, they all have their own dynamic and their own personality. And I, I, I really love them all for different reasons. Um, but yes, it's it's a phenomenon uh, that I was unfamiliar with early in my career. Now I'm wonderfully familiar with it, you know. Mm-hmm. And there 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 are people like uh, voice chasers on the web be, uh, behind the voice actors. There there are there are online uh, places that have made voice actors given us a, a celebrity that didn't really previously exist was much more kind of anonymous than it is now. Mm-hmm. It's great. And what I love, we have a Comic-Con here, Comic-Con Erie. And what I love about it, this is people's passion. This is what they do. You know, these are regular people like you and me. They're accountants. They're, you know, uh, garbage men. They're yep. like just they're everything. But at the same time, at the Comic-Con, they can be themselves. They can be the cosplay player that they want to be. They can be the the fanboy who grew up watching you now gets to show their kid the exact same feeling the exact same you know this is the guy that i grew up with please meet my son you know right you mentioned right and when i was the little kid this was me every saturday morning watching mel blank as bugs and daffy and elmer and and all of that stuff so not that i would but i but i don't believe any of us uh could should would shouldn't uh, tell other people what it is that they what that they care about. Mm-hmm. You know, just just applaud the fact that they that they care about something. Exactly. Don't worry about being judged. Don't worry about being. Just be yourself. As a little person, I tell myself, people are going to look at me all the time. You know, uh-huh. why not? Why not give them a show or something like that? You know, like something like that. People are going to look. People are going to judge. Why not just live your life and give them something to look at? You know. If you can throw positivity back in the face of negativity, you know, you've you've in a in a very meaningful way made the world better. This much better this day, this much better this day, over the course of a lifetime, you've made the world better. Every little bit adds up. And that's exactly why BuddyCast exists. BuddyCast exists because in the world of negativity, where there's a pandemic, when there's all this like division, it seems like, whenever whether it's political or not, you know. We just need some feel-good stories to talk to people like you 
why do you do what you do? Why did you go into voice acting in the beginning? Why, you know, talk to the local piano teacher to say, why even when your numbers have been cut down recently or something, why do you continue to wake up every morning and tune your fingers and play a tune, you know? What You're here. You going? Exactly. A Amen. Bravo. That's that's what it's all. About. You do the hokey pokey and you turn yourself about. That's what it's all about. You uh, got it. <laughs> yes. Uh, at any rate, uh, I I I uh, I really am very very uh, flattered by your invitation today, and I'm yes. re really enjoying speaking with you. I we're enjoying it just as much, and like I said, you're not a guest, you're a buddy, and you're a welcome buddy on any time. So. <laughs> I do have a few more questions if you have a little bit of time. I do. I'm good. Yes. Perfect. So you mentioned the fan interactions, like a fan bringing you their child or grandchild and saying, this is who I grew up with. Can you give us a specific fan encounter that really touched your heart or really made an impact on you? Well, I, I, I absolutely can. There, uh, There's no shortage of them. It's not one. It's many. Mm -hmm. But uh, on the silly side, uh, I've been introduced at, at panels. I love to do question and answer driven panels while I'm at conventions. But uh, the the host said uh, the ne our next guest, panel guest, is, uh, is the reason that I was late for first period classes every time that they were on in the morning. And the reason I tried to slip out of my last period classes <laughs> when, that, when they were on in the afternoon. And he was talking about Transformers and G.I. Joe. Uh, and uh, I, I, from from uh, Transformers, I've met I've met uh, uh, mechanical engineers who they love their toy so much that they started sketching schematics, trying to figure out you know what went to what, and it kindled a flame in them that became that became uh, the their career path. Uh, I've met I can't even tell you how many active and retired military who uh who love their gi joe it's it's clearly drawn uh it's not right and left it's right and wrong um and um i've met a lot of wheelchair bound people who uh sort of clung to transformers and gi joe as their shows uh and it got them through some hard times and uh everybody is is totally heartfelt about these things well that's nothing i can know in a studio in los angeles uh uh doing the work that i'm doing but it's so gratifying to hear about it somewhere down the line it's not unlike uh you know a, a teacher a elementary even elementary school where someone will come back as an adult and thank them for something they didn't even know they did um you know, it's it's about it's about sort of lighting some kind of match and hope hoping it 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 catches in someone that that someone someone you know wants to carry that flame and 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 let it grow and and become something. We none of even even the new cars that say they can see around the next curve they can't really see around the next curve. None of us know what comes next, so. Just be prepared to do what comes next and then do what comes after that and after that. And, and don't be afraid to let your direction find you as long as it's in a positive direction. Mm -hmm. And I must say, I'm very inspired and impressed that because of one TV show, there are mechanics out there because 
of this one TV character, someone decided to risk their own lives for their country because that's what their hero did growing up, you know? They'd make the ultimate sacrifice just because that's what their hero did, and they want to be like their hero. We're on the same ripple of the same pond. I mm -hmm. I, I, could, I couldn't agree more. Mm -hmm. Now, before I ask my final two questions, we have a question from the audience, which is, have you made up your own characters, and could you give us a sample of them? Maybe do a little freestyle for us? You know what? Uh, it depends on where it comes from. If I'm doing a heady character who's coming out of the middle of my head, I can feel him coming out of the middle of my head. If I uh, add a little nasality to that, then I'm thinking like, you know, a mouse or a rodent of some sort or a squirrel even. Uh, as I move down into my throat, I start to get a little uh, uh, tougher guy. If he's, uh, if he's from Ireland, he's a tough guy who keeps his mouth tight while he talks. Because uh, you don't want anyone to get uh, the, a word in edgewise. So that's how you can keep your mouth. You're more likely or not to get interrupted. Uh, if I move down into my chest, I start to get into spirituality uh, and spiritual characters and older, wiser characters who've been through a lifetime of experience and now want to share it. As I move further down, I start to get down into Eeyore Gornfetti territory. It just, there's only so many directions you can go, and most of them are slower. Mm -hmm. But you, who's to say you couldn't be fast? I guess you could be fast and be low, be low and fast, be low and inside. Now I'm a baseball player. I uh, Low and inside, that's my, that's my game, pal. Mm -hmm. where would you say grumble would be in that range where would you say like oh he's all three don't you know yes <laughs> sit down we have much to discuss including the scaring of humans one of my favorite topics and halloween is coming that makes it even better it is crumbling are you listening that is awesome. <laughs> truly, truly awesome. Thank you for that. Yeah. And now, buddy, I have, the, I have a question that is brought to you by our buddy Jonas Kane from Hashtag Positivity. He wants to know, in your own words, what does it mean to be someone's buddy? Uh, in my own words, it means having someone's back. It means creating an environment within which that person is able and encouraged to be themselves, whoever and whatever that is. Uh, it's acceptance, uh, it's big laughs, and it's and it's meaningful conversations. It's it's what everybody deserves, and uh, sadly, not everybody gets. Mm -hmm. Beautiful answer. And the final question we have for you today is what we call the ultimate buddy cast buddy question. <laughs> you ready for this one? Sure, uh, fire away. For anybody out there who wants to be an actor or voice actor, what is your advice to them? My advice is uh, what the advice that was given to me as a senior in theater conservatory, having done Shakespeare and every other uh, style of theater, kind of theater, uh, comedies, uh, tragedies, a little bit of everything immersed uh, in theater acting and everything related to that, he said to me, if no one can talk you out, oh, he said, I'm sorry, he worded it better than that. 
He said, if anyone can talk you out of doing this as your career, let them. Because there's a lot of rejection involved. And there's a lot of uh, difficult times involved uh, where someone with steady, steady uh, work may may have steady, steady income. You may not. Uh, if no one can talk you out of doing this as your career, then good luck to you. Uh, it, it you will be tested. We're still. I'm still tested. Uh, it, it's it's wonderful when things are going your way, and it's difficult when things aren't going your way. And and it's it's a pendulum for everyone. And you need to be able to fill the time that's not active, and you need to be able to um, stay stay afloat and stay energetic for the times that are active. It's 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 a wonderful field for those who are up to uh, not being talked out of it. Love the advice. Love it. Well, buddy, thank you so much for being a buddy here on BuddyCast. Like I said, you're not a guest. You're a buddy. All right. And uh, first off, stick around afterwards. We'll chat for a minute. But I have one piece of, uh, or I have one favor to ask you before we end out the show today. And that's please, whatever you do today, whatever you do this weekend, Whatever you do this month, this year, just do me a favor. Go be someone's buddy. I will be happy to do that favor. Awesome. For all my buddies out there, this is my buddy Greg. Please check out <laughs> his work. You can find it almost anywhere, especially if you love cartoons. I'm your host, Nick Sorensen, and we'll catch you next time here on everybody's favorite show, BuddyCast. When the days are going fast, buddy, buddy, we've got to make them last. Buddy, buddy, before they've all gone fast, buddy, buddy, tune in to Buddy Cats. Don't be none to make it, buddy, here on Buddy Cats. Hey, buddies, you thinking of starting your own podcast? Why not use Anchor? It's the easiest way to make a podcast, and here's why. First off, it's free. Secondly, you have creation tools to record and edit right from your phone or computer. Third, Anchor distributes for you. You can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. Fourth, make money with no minimum listenership. And finally, you have everything you need for a podcast all in one place. So what are you waiting for? Download the free Anchor app today or go to anchor.fm to get started.